In the line of duty, UQ graduate looks back on the moments that shaped his FBI career. Written and read by Zoe MacDonald. Fred Bradford has spent his career on the secret front line of US national security operations. As a special agent with the US Federal Bureau of Investigation, he's thwarted spies, served in active warfare, and has brought terrorists to justice. After more than 20 years of service, the UQ MBA graduate has handed over his badge and caught up with contact to reflect on his career. Warning, this story contains elements that some listeners may find disturbing. The morning of the 11th of September 2001 was meant to be another ordinary day in New York City. People enjoyed a cup of coffee with their breakfasts, hugged their families goodbye, and took the subway into work as they would any other Tuesday morning. That all changed at 8.46am when a passenger plane carrying 92 people crashed into the World Trade Centre. There are a few events that remain as clear in the world's memory as the September 11 terrorist attacks. People remember exactly what they were doing when it happened and can recall in heavy detail the precise feeling of watching the footage as it came streaming in across the news. The disbelief was palpable. America was a nation in grief and alive with outrage. And it became very clear very quickly that these attacks would be met with the full force of the pain they had caused. For UQ graduate and FBI special agent Fred Bradford, Master of Business Administration 93, and for the world, things changed in a moment and they would remain changed forever. My mother phoned from Northern Virginia and woke me at about 6 a.m., telling me to turn on the TV. Within seconds, I was watching a live broadcast of the burning North Tower of the World Trade Center When another jet hit the South Tower, Bradford told Contact. It was clear that instant this was a coordinated attack. The thought then was how many more aircraft were still to hit and where. I threw on some clothes, sped to the FBI office and walked into a room being hastily set up as a crisis centre, just as the Pentagon was hit. When I later spoke with my mother that day, she eerily recalled hearing the enormous roar of that flight at low altitude as it headed for the Pentagon. The point of no return. Before the September 11 attacks, Bradford worked in the financial crime department at the FBI. But with the shift in US national security priorities following the attacks, he, like many of his colleagues, was immediately redirected into counterterrorism. He would never return to his old department for the remainder of his career. September 11 and the days afterwards were arguably some of the most visceral I've experienced in my life, Bradford said. On September 10, 2001, I was a criminal investigator working bank robberies, embezzlements, casino fraud and healthcare fraud. That all changed that Tuesday morning. After the attacks, I never worked a criminal case again. I went straight to national security and counterterrorism, as did about two-thirds of the staff in our office. Literally, through the course of one day, the national priority when it came to law enforcement changed to counterterrorism and I would argue he's stayed very heavily focused on it since. September 11 remains the single deadliest terrorist attack on US soil, with 2,977 fatalities and more than 25,000 injuries. At 8.46 a.m., American Airlines Flight 11 was crashed into the World Trade Center's North Tower. 
United Airlines Flight 175 hit the South Tower at 9.03 a.m. At 9.37 a.m., American Airlines Flight 77 flew into the western facade of the Pentagon. United Airlines Flight 93 crashed into a field in Pennsylvania at 10.03 a.m. after crew and passengers overwhelmed the hijackers. Bradford lost one of his closest friends in the attack on the Pentagon. Dan Chenoa was a Navy commander. He was at the Navy Command Center at the Pentagon when it took a direct hit from the jet, Bradford said. Over the next several days, we eventually found out that he was among the dead. And that was very difficult. It was very, very personal. My mother attended his burial at Arlington National Cemetery, and I spoke at his memorial service in his hometown of Naperville, Illinois. In the days following the disaster, the FBI discovered that all four pilots and other members of the hijacking group had been in and out of Las Vegas multiple times in the months leading up to the attacks. Bradford, who was stationed in Las Vegas at the time, was immediately funneled into the project. The hijackers had taken multiple long-distance flights across the country to Las Vegas and stayed a couple of nights each time. We think it was exploratory on their part, Bradford said. We believe they were trying to understand how the protocol played out on the aircraft, when the best time for attacking the cockpit would be, the rhythm of a transcontinental flight. In the following months, the FBI trawled through thousands of phone calls and emails in an effort to unravel this complicated international plot. In the autumn of 2002, a year after the attack, Bradford was called into FBI headquarters for a temporary job in telephonic analysis. Even then, we were still working the phone numbers of the September 11 attackers and the greater Al-Qaeda syndicate, Bradford said. We went as far back as we could go, well into the 1990s, just to figure out how long this plot had been cooking. At the same time as the US was refocusing its national security efforts on counterterrorism, the FBI moved to ramp up its domestic operations in counterintelligence. Prior to the attacks, there were few counterintelligence operations in Las Vegas, as most were focused on cities like New York and Washington DC, where the majority of embassies and consulates were housed. This quickly changed after the September 11 attacks. After September 11, we decided to look at foreign counterintelligence in Las Vegas, as well as our increased counterterrorism operations. It was unbelievable how much foreign government-directed activity was happening in southern Nevada, Bradford said. When all hell broke loose. On the evening of the 1st of October 2017, Bradford had been trimming a rosebush in his garden when his wife received a text from a friend about automatic gunfire at the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival on the Las Vegas Strip. As Murphy's Law would have it, Bradford's FBI car was at the mechanics at the time, with all his body armour and long-barrelled weaponry. All his lone car had was a spare set of lights and a siren. Bradford grabbed a spare FBI raid jacket and a shotgun from his house and sped down the strip with sirens blaring, unaware of the horror he was about to descend on. He later found out he had arrived only 10 minutes after the final shot. What I went into was absolute chaos, Bradford recalled. I could see people being thrown into the back of pickup trucks to try to get them to hospitals. No one could have conceived this as being one shooter from one location. Like all of us responding that night, I had no idea what we were going into. I thought all hell had broken loose. 
The shooting at the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival remains the deadliest mass shooting in US history, with 59 victims and 868 people injured. The specific motive of the shooter, Stephen Paddock, remains unknown. By the time Bradford had returned to the FBI offices by 5am the next morning, the FBI had already established a fully operational command post to investigate the shooting. Over the next 19 days, Bradford, who managed the post, coordinated the logistics of the thousand or so FBI personnel coming in and out of Las Vegas, as the Bureau sought to understand how such a tragedy had occurred and if other perpetrators were involved. The shooter was one of those very meticulous people. Over the course of 10 to 11 months, he had methodically planned the attack, Bradford said. About a week prior to the Route 91 Harvest Festival, he'd taken all of his weaponry, ammunition and tools into a room at the Ogden Hotel in downtown Las Vegas. Investigations revealed that he may have originally targeted the Life is Beautiful Music and Art Festival. Because of his flawed thinking, and thank goodness it was flawed, he couldn't book the room he'd absolutely obsessed about at the Ogden, which would have overlooked the entire audience of the festival. So he took the stuff back down from the Ogden and then ran it up to the Mandalay Bay Hotel a week later to do what he did. If he'd been in the Ogden, he would have had a much closer shot, perhaps 100 to 150 yards, with more than double the audience size, as opposed to the 300 to 400 yards from the Mandalay Bay. We think the body count may have been three or four times higher. Enter the war zone. Bradford's work in counterterrorism also saw him undertake overseas postings, including several months engaged in active warfare with the US Army. Bradford and the other agents he was posted with in Iraq between January and May 2003 established the first FBI headquarters near the airport in Baghdad as the US rushed to collect and process intelligence. For Bradford, some of the intelligence hit too close to home. There was a trove of photographs we were going through that were coming out of the Iraqi intelligence service headquarters, and I was seeing pictures of people standing on the Las Vegas Strip, Bradford said. These are obviously people who are connected to the Iraqi intelligence service, and there they are, a year or two before, right in my hometown. Skills for life. Bradford retired from the FBI in July 2020, and after more than 20 years of career achievements, there's still an audible nostalgia in his voice as he discusses his time at UQ during the 1990s. He accepted his offer to study a Master of Business Administration, an MBA, at UQ in 1991. I had the best time of my life, Bradford said. I looked at the UQ MBA program and it honestly looked like the most interesting to me because you could pursue a particular strain. So I did the international business strain. I was the newest big mouthed yank in the class at the time so those knuckleheads elected me president of the MBA Students Association in 1991 to 1992. We had this really great committee, so we could pursue all sorts of neat ideas. We put together a portfolio of the graduating MBA students' resumes and printed a really slick magazine, which we sent out across the country to all the big corporations in Australia. We had a bunch of people get hired from that. While Bradford ultimately pursued a career in the FBI, he said his learnings from his time at UQ were invaluable for his career at the Bureau. The MBA teaches you that the financial element of anything is hugely important. International terrorists and spies can't function overseas without money. And I learned a lot about how international movements of money take place through the MBA program at UQ, Bradford said. When I had to build teams in the FBI, 
I've always fallen back on what I learned in that MBA program and the types of people to surround yourself with. I also, for the first time in an academic environment, was able to get a real international perspective on things and realised from daily first-hand interaction that people from different countries can think very differently. Those are some priceless lessons. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of UQ Stories. This story was originally published in UQ's Contact magazine. Join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover bonus content by visiting alumni.uq.edu.au forward slash contact hyphen magazine.